Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to WNS9 Plus. I'm your host, Anthony Donardo. With me, we have, of course, Jim. We have Tyler. We got ourselves a special guest tonight from The Athletic, Stephen J. Nesbitt. What's up? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for coming on. It's been a pretty busy day for you, I suppose. A little bit busy. Yeah, yeah. Jim was in my my DMs being like, can you uh, join the show tonight? I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's stay up late, get the kids to bedtime. So, so we're here. Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we yeah, we appreciate you coming on. Um kind of dropped a bombshell on uh on on Pirates uh Twitter today and and across the fan base. So, yeah, I wanted to have you on. Very timely, good timing. Um so we can kind of dissect this article that you uh you put out today along with uh with Ken Rosenthal at the Athletic. Comfortable beating being mediocre why the Pirates keep losing. So, quite a quite a title there to get people real yeah I, yeah i had no i had no say in the in the, the title nor the the header photo which used the photo of nothing that's pretty much like the meme in pirates twitter like i right didn't have a say in that one uh but um whatever uh, so i mean you, you use the word bombshell and to be honest i didn't know what to expect from this because i'll if you're a pirates fan has watched the team over the last decade i don't think there was a whole lot in this story that you didn't think was the truth. Um, what I felt we were able to do <clears throat> was provide um, some depth of detail that hadn't previously been reported. So I was covering the team in 2015 when they unveiled the new performance center, which is a super impressive big building um, at Parrot city. I was there when they unveiled the, <clears throat> um, the expanded like doubled in size um, clubhouse at McKechnie Field at the time. Looked super nice, new offices, new everything, new media room, thankfully. Um, all that was was great, and it was like highly touted by the Pirates. They really enjoyed showing um, it around everybody. At one point, it was in Bob Nunning's official bio that they built those buildings and, and done all that work. Uh, it was an impressive thing. But when we were doing the reporting process in here and we discovered um, from three sources that that money, well, the story, if you haven't read it, it's the lead. You can get that part for free. Um, it was uh, that Neil Huntington had gotten the plans for this. They had taken this to the Pirates uh, ownership and said, hey, we'd love for um, to get uh, additional funds to cover this. And they were told um, from Nutting that they had the the money they needed in a baseball operations budget. They just needed to decide, decide how to spend it. And so they had opportunities. Um, they could have chosen to not pull it out of payroll, but that would mean it's coming out of scouting or tech or one of these areas that like uh, taking $8 million out of would have absolutely decimated that area. And when you were the pirates and at that point in time, uh, you could believe that maybe you could get by with drawing $8 million out of payroll to pay for something else. So, um, so I think that makes some sense. And, uh, but to me, I was like, I know that's new information that hasn't been reported. I didn't have that information back then when I was covering the team. Would have loved to. It would have helped explain some of the things we were seeing moving forward where the Pirates go down from a, a record high $99 million payroll starting 2016 to getting rid of Lariano, getting rid of, I guess, prior to, to that uh, record payroll, they're getting rid of Charlie Morton. They're they were flipping Neil Walker. Um, just a bunch of departures that offseason that set them up for 2016 that uh, started started the dis this descent in a lot of ways, payroll and, and production. Um, and so to me, that was that was a an anecdote that said a lot and uh, sort of set the stage for what the story uh, was going to be. Yeah, and I'll I'll jump in here just because I mean yeah, that that's that's the that's the lead in of, of the story, right? Um, 
and, and I think there were a lot of people on Pirates Twitter who kind of agreed with you, kind of what you originally originally said there. There, the premise, the overall premise of this article isn't anything new, right? This is the 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 general idea here are things that Pirates fans have known for a long time. Um, so I, I guess my question to you is, you know, some of them are like, you know, why even write this article? Why sure. why now? Why do this? So so I mean, that's my question to you. What was what's the point? You know, why why write this article right now? Sure. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of that feedback today. I would say like 95 percent of people are saying, like, thank you for saying this in a national area. And the other five percent are like, I already knew this, which <clears throat> which um I don't disagree with. I think a lot of this is. Again, if you're watching day in and day out, you're following Mackey and Gorman and Stumpf and all these beat writers. Like you know the ins and outs even better than we laid it out. We did not get into a bunch of player names here. We did not get into um, a ton of detail. It's more of an overarching view. Um, and the Athletic has done this in the past with other organizations, the Rockies, the Padres. Um, sort of the what's gone wrong here, um, so that the reader who's flipping through the Athletic will like it, having no experience with the Pirates or no background. Maybe they you know, remember that there were some playoff seasons uh, relatively recently, but haven't really tracked where things have gone since there. And that person can read it and be like, oh, that does seem like a pretty bad spot. And so my aim in that um, from the start was, so Ken reached out to me a few weeks back and just said, like, it, I think it might be time to just write something about the Pirates, sort of get a feel for like, what's the state of the franchise in 2024? They are entering year five with Charrington. Like, what's, how do we get here? What's going on? And so that's when we started our conversations. And, and for me, the premise was um, was this quote we used in here that you probably all remember. It was Travis Williams saying they needed to crack the code, which was when they hired Charrington, they said, we needed someone to crack the code to win in Pittsburgh, paraphrasing, like in this in this era of baseball. Um, which, if you're reading between the lines, it's, it's saying we in Pittsburgh, in like this, the way baseball works today, how it's unfair to smaller markets, uh, you need to be smarter if you're going to win, right? And they bring in a guy in Charrington who I think had a ton of ideas about how to do it, how to uh, bring them up to speed in analytics, bring them up to speed in, in the coaching, and all things we get into. Now we have some critiques about that from people. Um, but if you're trying to crack the code, the, the basis, basis for that, though, is you need to crack the code because we're not going to spend like upper echelon clubs, right? They've accepted that. Um, however, we do need to address in that same story if we're going to say, that you're working with a bottom five budget. Um, that's the backbone of the problems, as most people see it. Um, they don't have margin for error when you operate like that. You still need to address the fact that other organizations have made it work under similar constraints, right? We've seen the Guardians make it work. We've seen Tampa, we, uh, of course, is like the gold standard that's probably like ruining baseball for everybody else because everyone wants to do it. We just saw the Twins owners, the new owner saying that, why well, we got to try to be a little bit like the Orioles and the Rays. Like, yeah, everyone wants to do that. You know what the Orioles did? They put their fan base for, through a horrible stretch, a terrible stretch after some good years. Um, and the Rays have managed to not do that. They've just won since 2009 or whatever it was. And so we wanted to at least investigate, okay, if we've accepted that these are the constraints under which the Pirates choose to operate, let's investigate, like, what are the issues <clears throat> that have prevented that from happening under Huntington first and then Sherrington now? Um, so that's sort of what we set out to do. So I guess my question here would be, <clears throat> I know we talked about the $8 million that had to be spent to build a new facility. Is that at all a common practice? Because I know we like jokingly make fun of the 
Cubs and their Wrigleyville and how they were broke. Just making fun of them. But is that something that happens across baseball a little bit where things like that come out of baseball operations or are these owners putting their own money towards things like that? In, in checking around, we, we were given no indication that this is common practice. Um, uh, this is a real estate investment, right? This is something where if they sold it, they could say, we have a, a fully refurbished um, state-of-the-art uh, performance center at Pirate City. Whoever's buying the team, you're going to pay us for that. So in my mind, that's like a capital investment that they're making. And so I don't know why it would come out of baseball operations. Uh, people I've talked to, no one has no like things that have been flagged in the story that people might disagree with. No one, no one so far has disagreed with us pointing that out as a strange uh, factor. And the source that we talked to said, yeah, it, it was it impacted the way that front office had to operate. Interesting. And I just want to add in something here too, because like going back to Jim's point, what I think a lot of people are missing is. I mean, nationally, people probably don't realize all this stuff, right? Locally, when you're, you know, dealing with the Pirates, a lot of people understand the uh, the opportunities that the Pirates present, right? And how they could probably spend more and, and you call them whatever you want, right? But what I do want to say is like, I know you said it was like kind of broad, but you, you do mention and highlight some very particular things that, again, like this, this weight room thing we're talking about. Like, yeah, a lot of people can say the Pirates are cheap, right? But like, no one knew this. There's a lot of stuff in here that, I think, you know, even if you had the idea that the Pirates don't spend money and there's opportunity there, that like there's a lot of things that are pretty eye-opening, you know, and not just that either, but just the way they operate. And and again, you're getting like actual player, former players, current, you know, people, the Pirates or whatnot, like their perspective on this. Um, I think that's, that is like, that's pretty eye-opening to, to get that information here. Yeah, I mean, we tried to give a little bit of everything. I wanted the Pirates fan who's been following Dana Dead out to, to get something out of this. Um, right. A lot of Pirates fans just want to feel heard, to be honest. Like, um, I know when I was in Pittsburgh, like people didn't take national looks at Pittsburgh. And that was kind of fine because then I don't have to like compete with those perspectives. Um, but because I am in, Nor- in a national role now and I also have the background of, of having covered the team on a daily basis for three years and been around the team for three more, um, I just think uh, it's easier for me to be able to look back and say, I remember when. I mean, I remember in I remember in 2017 when Bob Nunning said that uh, while all these other teams go through cycles, rebuilding cycles of winning and losing, uh, we haven't done that. And so it's important for us to develop because we don't want to do that. And uh, I had pulled this at some point. I'll read it to you. Um, what we need to do is get into the playoffs when everyone hits the reset button and goes forward. That's part of why it's so important that we're able to have sustained success and not embrace the wild rebuilding cycles that some of teams have. We may be proven wrong at some point. That was the team's mindset. There was a lot of pride. Um, and this is like something that deserves to be said. And it was in one draft of the story and didn't make it because we had to cut and cut and cut because it was way too long. A Nesbitt special uh, combined with the Rosenthal special um, was right, that right. Th- there are some executives we talked to and others we didn't talk to, I've heard this from in the past, that take a lot of pride in trying to win the Pirates' way. They, like, welcome the challenge of doing it this way. Um, Like, people aren't out here trying to just, like, take shots left and right at Bob Nutting. they like, we know what we signed up for when we went to Pittsburgh, and it's to try to win um, with a smaller payroll, all through development, um, acquiring guys through trades in a smart manner, uh, amateur acquisition, all those things. So 
it's not like every employee who's who's with the pirates is complaining about bob nutting spending um so i'm looking at this here in, in essence and saying it might be up to to us or people like us to point out they're choosing to operate this way and it does handcuff them um they may not be out here complaining and we have a quote from charity saying we have all the resources we need well you also have the second lowest payroll in baseball and so like would things be different if it were the 17th or the 20th or the 21st what would what would change um so i remember a, a quote like that right from 2017 where he's saying we don't do the rebuilding thing and he's proud of it they've tried to be a playoff team every year an 84 85 win team right on the cusp you hit the playoffs and, and, it, and it resets um and then in 2019 he two years later he he fires um not um, huntington hires charrington and he had a quote at the same time saying you know we can't shoot to be an 84 win team and so we don't want to be a 65 or 69 or i don't remember exactly what it was um, so he's changing, he's changing course. He's changing his mind at that point. He was proven wrong, as he said in the previous quote. So because I have that background, I, like, I remember things like that. So Ken might not remember because it's buried in like 3000 pages of internet. Um, but it helps to have that background to be able to pull and surface some of the stuff. Even if we didn't use it, it just helps for perspective on where they've come from. I think an interesting part of the article was, was like you mentioned, you were wanting to kind of take what happened under the Huntington years what's now happening under the Sherrington years and, and almost just compare the two. Um, I think one thing that is a big issue and you mentioned, would it be different if the payroll was more right? If, if it was the 17th highest payroll, would it be more when you decide to have a payroll like you have of the, you know, the pirates and it's $80 million, it's the 29th largest payroll in the league. You mentioned, you know, the margin for error just being, a lot smaller, right? Um, and you know, you actually highlighted one of my tweets in here about the international signings. You highlighted the draft, which you know, since 2012, only four players the Pirates have drafted in the top five rounds. Four since 2012 have produced at least one war. And it, it's just you look at numbers like that, and you almost are, are like, kind of like, how are we even in a position now this year where? There are fans like like we're we're somewhat optimistic about this season, and it, it's kind of crazy that they've 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 failed so much in a lot of different ways that like they needed to succeed. Yet we're still here, and we're not talking about the Rockies in 2024. We're not talking about the A's in 2024. Like we're talking about a team that has the potential of competing for a wild card. Um, but I mean, I it guess, could be I worse. Guess, it could absolutely be worse. It, um, yeah, it, it could. So be worse. I, I was making a whole list of all the trades that happened before mm-hmm. and after, and we we didn't end up getting into this a whole lot, um, because like the, what takes all the attention is the the trade of Cole leaving and and Chris Archer coming. But there are so many other ones, and there are some impact today's team a lot, right? Oh no, I just threw a thumbs up uh, up there accidentally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where if you um, I had this list. Maybe I can pull it up here. There are some, like you could forgive the Pirates if they were sp- too spooked to trade after what happened with Chris Archer, uh, and they they weren't. I mean, to to be fair, like they were, they decided when they brought Charrington they were going to rebuild even if they didn't tell anybody. And so for all their arguments that they're, I got this quote a lot from Bob. And we didn't use it, but uh, they're totally clear and transparent about their process. No, you weren't. You didn't tell fans that you were going to be terrible for five years. You didn't tell fans. <laughs> that you were going to trade every player who's 
shares that your kids had. You didn't you didn't say any of that. You just said like we're going to find a way to build. We need to get better every day. That's all you said. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's like that's that's messaging. But don't tell me you were transparent. Um, but when you look at that afterward, so they traded everybody of value, right? Marte, Bell, Musgrove, Tyone, Frazier, Holmes, and then Anderson, Rodriguez, uh, Stallings, on and on, whatever. But they end up, you know, getting valuable pieces that you'd you'd like to have some of those guys still, but they'd be gone by now. So if you're going to be bad, you're going to rebuild and sure, they weren't going to help you in the end. Um, So Piguero, Bednar, Rodriguez, Sawinski, Holderman, Oviedo, like there are some wins there. Um, You'd love to be able to develop those guys internally so you don't have to go get them. But as your tweet mentioned, and I included in the story, like zero from the international market. Um, The way I think I wrote in the story was like an impact everyday player. Last one was Starling Marte. I at one point had like a, Parentheses that said uh, Gregory Polanco was maybe intermittent, Gregory inter, <laughs> intermittently impactful, um, and then and then I guess um, Harold Ramirez has been pretty good for the Rays, but certainly nothing for the Pirates. Um, and, and then the uh, the draft numbers I have a whole spreadsheet here, um, so it's it's cr- it's crazy how little they've gotten out of the draft. I don't know how you're here today with that little from the draft. Um, it's Kip Ryan, and that's that's it. I mean Meadows was. A six war guy, but he's it was somewhere else, and also his career has gone um, gone a different way because of uh, off field anxiety issues and things he's dealt with. Um, but beyond that, man, it's um, the tangent real quick. Like the way they need to win is winning trades, which I'm saying that they've actually done a decent job of it. Not not a, not poorly enough to be like criticized. I, I think um, even if there's some trades that you didn't get enough for, um, but they're they need to extend guys. You have to. And so they were able to do that with with two guys. Um, and, you know, you want to give them credit for a club record, two club record extensions, uh, small as though as though as they might be compared to the rest of the league. But at the same time, you like it took one guy demanding a trade and the other guy secretly going behind the back, which we'll get to of your major league staff to work with a double A coach. Not a not a great look, you know, yeah. like the, those two things. And they need to be able to do with other guys. I don't know that you're going to be able to extend Mitch Keller because he he developed too late. He's too close to free agency. Like you have to have these guys hit soon enough that you can go to them after their first or second year and say, "Hey, Kutch, hey, you know, young guy, uh, we want to give you a ton of money now, so you'll stay for eight years." Um, and they just haven't done that. So that when you're failing in free agency, or sorry, you're failing in drafting, that's what you're hurting yourself with, as you can't find those young guys to extend. And the numbers here are just crazy. When like Kevin Newman is like your third most valuable guy. Um, that you've drafted in that time. Like Kevin Newman is a, he was a three war over his whole time with the pirates guy. First rounder. Third best draft pick in the last 11 years. And it's tough. And, and, and part of what you were saying too, is like, I think a fair criticism of the article, if you want to, is that I focus too much on an organizational problem, which I'm considering that's Huntington and Charrington. If, People want to read this and say you're blaming Charrington. It's like, okay, there are certain things that we pointed out about things that have gone uh, poorly according to people we talked to in the coaching ranks and, and development. Drafting stuff, this is a long-term problem. Uh, talking about cracking the code, like they cracked the code in 2011 when they spent a zillion and five dollars to get every good player in the draft. That was great. That's yeah. cracking the code. You found the rules and you figured out how to get around it. Since 2012, and like that was taken away from them, uh, you've done incredibly poorly. And, uh, and and there's like really nothing more that needs to be said about that. I'm trying to read. I this. guess like 
And they just away. yeah, they just they just moved the guy who had been drafting for them, Jodel Kari. Yeah. Well, I guess that was gonna be my next question. There was I know you you just talked about the it it being an organizational problem between Huntington and Sherrington. <clears throat> and you mentioned in the article about the uh guy from the Netherlands or wherever he was from that yeah, stayed on staff with uh Ben Sherrington. Did you get a sense that there might be a problem where the team was continuing to employ guys that, let's be honest, the development failed for a very long period of time, and they stayed on staff under Sherrington as well, and nothing really in that department changed? The the sense I got was that Sherrington's regime was really interested in promoting newer voices, which is happening across the game. I talked to players in other organizations now. They're like, yeah, it happened here too. Um, and and they don't really see a problem with that. So that wasn't really the specific gripe. It was more that experienced people were getting pushed out. And there was a quote I had from a pitcher uh, that we didn't include in here. It's too long. But the gist of it was um, what what's lost when guys like um, – I don't know who he named. I think Scott Ellerton is still there, but it was another, another former big leaguer who left. What you lose on guys like that is, is uh, leave the organization is um, I don't have that guy who I can go talk to when it's August. And I haven't had, I've had my B stuff for three straight outings and I need to figure out how to gut through it. And, um, and I my, I've lost velocity. I've lost everything. I just need to figure out how to get through it and get some outs at the major league level or else I'm going to get sent down. I need someone to talk to other than a pitching coach who's going to come over to me and say, listen, we just got to get two more inches of run on your slider. Uh, that's what we're really shooting for. He's like, that's a conversation I cannot hear at that point in time. I need to hear it from someone, uh, not just not someone who's done it necessarily, but someone who can coach me through how to actually uh, perform to keep my job in that moment. And so when you are... Um, Elevating the voices of, of new people, uh, you're going to have a problem uh, potentially on the players' side where you're not get, you're not getting um, uh, enough variety of the voices they're hearing, uh, or the messaging is poor. Right, the message could be good, the messaging could be poor, uh, the messenger could be delivering it incorrectly, and then you also have the complaint from the coaching side of uh, these these former uh, big leaguers, or these pro guys, just saying like. Uh, I'm being now like led by someone who didn't do this, who's never been to a, a full spring training and, uh, and don't, they don't know how to lead almost more than like the complaint was more like the leading more than the instructing at times. It wasn't like they're changing everything. They're thinking analytics or whatever. A lot of times there's like, they were put in uh, high, pr- high profile positions and leading uh, a team or leading a, a group of coaches. And they just had no experience doing it. And uh, it felt like they didn't have enough support from the from the organization. Like the organization put them in these higher roles and didn't give them the support they needed to be able to be effective leaders of coaches. That problem you're pointing out kind of more once the Sherrington regime took over. Yes. And I think in a yeah. lot of ways, the Huntington regime was old school, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't, I don't think they wanted to change a whole lot to their detriment, right? We can all look at the end times there and yeah. it was, it was not pretty. Right. I, I pointed out that, you know, the farm system was not good. Um, they were they were failing to transition guys to the majors, like like easy examples to pick out. Um, and they've done nothing internationally. So like a lot of these problems, again, I'm saying are organizational problems where if you want to, you know, uh, if you want to criticize 
how I wrote that, that is probably like that I, I didn't like pick blame on somebody. I just said, this is an organizational problem. You have not drafted well since 12. You have not signed an international free agent that's been an impact player since 07. So, um, so, so that's fair. Charrington, like Charrington to his, I guess to his credit, like it's, it is still too early to figure some of this stuff out and to, to assign blame. Um, their draft picks may work out great. Yes. He has the benefit of drafting high every single year. That's what was, it happens when you rebuild. Maybe Huntington would draft a little bit better if he was drafting one, one, but um, Henry Davis could still be a dude, right? He could still, uh, if he can catch every day, I think his bat's going to pick up at least. So if he has to be a right fielder, I'm, I'm more concerned, but if he can catch passively, okay, cool. Uh, I'm not, right. I'm not, I'm not like throwing that guy out right now. He's, gonna, he's not even 25 yet. Um, Paul Skeens could be an absolute stud. So that changes the whole, the whole, whole complexion of your rotation. If you have that guy and if you're able to, to keep Keller or develop one of these other guys, Oviedo comes back healthy next year. Um, so things could work out. Okay. Uh, but there are, there are still like, you know, fissures and cracks in, in the program. Um, and, and to, to win under these financial constraints, everything just needs to go so smoothly and so well. And so there are problems we felt were worth pointing out. Steven, right. I'm sorry, but they had like a guy that was just like a yogi teaching him how to hit. <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah. I mean, that it, it was some a hippie telling him how to hit. What are was, we doing? It was certainly interesting. I listened to a podcast with Bart Honograph who they're, who they're talking about. Um, and I don't know. I felt like the perspective that I got from a lot of people was like, there's a pl- place for that guy. We had a quote to that effect. Sure. There's a place right. for that guy. It's just like, is he, should he be like directing the hitting program? Um, no. Where, <laughs> I would argue that the 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 uh, the feedback based on the statistics of the organization or that that something's wrong, whether that's a major, <laughs> major league hitting coach or your director of methodology or whatever. Ideas are great, right? I mean, you send who was a it was um, it was Cole Tucker, Kevin Kramer, Jared Oliva. You send them to do some working mm-hmm. out, and we. we didn't write this part, but like they, there was something they, they did right during spring training. A guy would go over three or something and they would, um, Tyler, stop interrupting with your head nods. Um, uh, it was something, <laughs> it was something where they would unplug a guy for a day and send him to hitting school. Um, which I don't think is crazy weird. Um, I think it just needs to be messaged. Well, uh, tell the players what you're doing, tell the media what you're doing. Why is it, why should it be weird? I, I remember covering it that time. And I remember, okay, Cole Tucker's still in Bradenton. Got it. Okay. Um, okay. And he comes back and you're like, so what, what happened? And it's kind of like, Oh, just work, working out, just kind of doing taking swings. And then and you hear about it now and it's like, okay, it was like twists and turns and aqua, aqua bag workouts. And I, it, this stuff could work. I think it just needs to be one, one tool in a toolkit. And uh, it just seems like to, to this day, they're, they're not quite putting it all together in their hitting program. Well, I do want Speaking to of, like up, go ahead. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. I mean, before argue. before I do, I just want to ask something because I just want to point this out. You did use one tweet and one tweet only in your article, and it had to be Jim. Now, Stephen, why? 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 We already have a problem. I don't know if you're aware. We already have a problem. I mean, Jim's already has a big head. <laughs> <laughs> Jim and actually knows the answer to this. <laughs> the only person in this article, as far as a tweet, I'm disappointed. But hey, Ethan. Um, uh, and, Ethan, and I'll read that know. in a second and answer it. But um, uh, that's great. So Jim knows the reason. It was that I can't like those are no longer uh, available. All the lists of their amateur signings um, used to be on Pirates Prospects, and it's not up right now. 
Um, so I wasn't able to go track that down myself. So that was that was the reason I had to use because he picked it before. It just yeah. When well, this when this article think... came out, when this article came out, and I saw I saw my tweet in there, I was like, oh, that's why that's why he was asking me about that question. Okay, Ethan, <laughs> Ethan's asking. I have to go, but someone asked why. I think this is why can no one? Yeah, agree let's. On I, I, this is going to be my next. That's what question, I wanted to right? get it. Sure. So okay. speaking of speaking of hitting and hitting coaches, right? Um, the Nunley situation this past season was was a topic for you know it, for for a solid couple of days um Jason Mackey kind of broke the news that Q Brian Hayes was you know going behind the organization's back and 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 hitting with uh the Altoona hitting coach uh John Nunnally so um once that happened you know reports were like that the pirates <clears throat> didn't really like that too much Nunnally was let go at the end of the season we also had some kind of conflicting reports on that too, because we then had Jared Pruger on from the Altoona Mirror, and he basically was like, "It really wasn't that big of a deal." They exchanged some texts. They they didn't really do a whole lot. So, like, I guess you. I mean, you obviously spoke to Key Brian Hayes, you know, th- with this article. So, I guess, can you elaborate just what happened there? Yeah, that was um, that was Kenny. Kind of set things straight. Yeah, that was Kenny who talked to those two guys. But yeah, they. Okay. <clears throat> we're both on the record as uh, saying the same thing. It was um, so could Brian to take it all the way back for those who haven't followed um, uh, was that Kibrian had worked with not only uh, starting in 2020 uh, alternate site. He came up and tore the cover off the ball, right? Scalded it one dot OPS rookie of the oh, month yeah. in September. Uh, I started tweeting Kibrian Hayes was homered and did it like 10 times that month. <laughs> That's and then right. I forgot about things, that. Things have really slowed down, but it's still going. The bit is still alive. Um, and so he didn't work for with him for the next two years. And then last spring, um, uh, he asked that not only work with him in spring training. And so the Pirates had him come over from minor league side to the major league side, work with him. And about halfway through campus, sounds like from what we gathered, uh, not only went back. And Kibrian uh, had a great spring. Uh, did really, really well. But then he said toward the end of the camp, it just like started to feel like something was off. But by that point, um, not only was back on the minor league side and couldn't really come back and forth the whole time. <clears throat> so Key Brian uh, struggles the first half of the season. I'm seeing Eno Saris talking about like, um, he was a little skeptical, I think, of the impact of not only uh, because some of like the fly ball rates and some things like that were climbing in the first yeah, half. I saw that earlier today too. Yeah. So um, I haven't talked to, you know, I'll fight him. Uh, no, I... Uh, I think that that could be a lot of reasons for that. I mean, all the Pirates coaches could have been saying that. We all we all also could have told Key Brian to do that. Uh, but he did work not only in spring training. If that, you know, if you want to look at that as a potential factor, um, so he has a bad first half. He gets hurt, his back injury in July. He's sitting out, and he said, uh, as he was sitting out, he just decided like I need to do something about not being a good hitter. Um, I'm better than this. This is a guy who like would go home. <clears throat> work with his dad in the offseason and take 300 swings every day. And he just puts a ton of work into his hitting and has not shown up in the last couple of years. And so he decides to, uh, to call John Nunnally and uh, see if they could work together. So Nunnally has Mondays off uh, in the minors. He's in Altoona. And um, so every week, according to what both of these guys said, uh, every week that was like possible. Uh, I think it was in Pittsburgh. It was in Philly once may have been one other road uh, city. Um, they got together and then I guess the season ended in, in September. So it wasn't like the, uh, the Monday thing was, was, uh, 
a problem. But they said they met weekly. And um, and in that time, of course, uh, Kibarian Hayes takes off. He hits like a near MVP. And so uh, there's actually they first their first meeting was August 7th. We, we took this line out, but he is August 7th. And if you go look at the stats, it was an off day. And August 8th, he homered. August 9th, he homered. And then he had, a, I think, a seven-hit series against the Braves coming right off of it. So immediately pays dividends. Now, how much one session can actually do? I don't know, but does it work for a narrative? Um, so we... Yes. Um, <laughs> it sure does. So, uh, so they get to uh, the end of the season. The Pirates decide to to let Nunnally go. Nunnally thinks this because uh, they found out about it. Now, how do they find out about it? My guess is from Jason's story. Um, Jason Mackey's story he wrote at the end of August that uh, some headline was something like Cabrian Hayes's uh, breakout coming from with like a surprising help or something like something like that. You can find it. Yeah. Um, and it mentioned. Um, we didn't go into all of this in the story, but it, um, but it, uh, it mentioned that they were working together and I don't think it said they met. I think it was more, they at least had had conversations and he was advising him. And then it, then it broke into a quote from someone close to Q Brian saying that they felt not only should be the big league hitting coach, like a hundred percent or something like that. And if I had to personally give opinion on what may have gotten the man fired. Uh, it may have been sentiments like that when they decided to retain Andy Haynes as major league hitting coach and having your, someone close to your star infielder say things like that. Um, probably not something the pirates are interested in. However, the pirates someone won't close wonder, wonder who that is. We're not going to like take anybody. Not like, an, not like anybody in, you know, the Hayes family. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> So anyway, I, I can imagine that kind of heightening tensions there. But anyway, the, the Pirates, you know, we asked Sherrington about it and he, you, you know, declined to comment on any personnel decisions or whatever. Uh, not only thinks it is exactly that reason that he gets fired. And, and so the question is, like, why did they need to do that? Right. And so we asked both of them and they just felt like they were going like no one needed to know. A, they felt like um, and no harm, no foul was, was one thing that. Bryant said, and not only I think probably understood the stakes of it a little bit better. I can talk to him, so I, I don't have the answer for that one exactly. Um, yeah, I think he understood there are probably like some more staff politics going on that you should probably just keep it quiet and help out the player you're you're being asked to help out. Um, and so you can read this, and I think pretty clearly come to the to the to the conclusion that like not a surprise that this guy got fired um because of like these internal politics we don't know for sure that's why i got fired um but right. it's not hard it's not hard to read that and be like okay i get it i get why that didn't work out um but the the greater question the the, the reason i kind of urge you know urge can like we, we should like try to make this stress this is like there's something clearly messed up in your in your organization's process if your star yes. potentially all-star gold glove third baseman believes his best path best path forward is to secretly work out with a double a hitting coach and they need to not let it get out because bad things can happen and feelings can be hurt and whatever the whatever the the route looks like it doesn't look like a guy who believes that um everyone has his best interest at heart and everyone has his development at heart and so People could disagree with that, but you just look at that story and look at the anecdote, which we have backed up with on the record quotes. And that tells me that there's something happening in your organization that isn't perfectly aligned. Right. Yeah. 
and I, I'm actually surprised that that you know Hayes is on record saying this stuff. To be honest, like we, I mean, the Hayes that we've kind of known the last few years, super quiet. You know, kind of just keeps to himself, um, doesn't say a whole lot, and uh, you know, he's he's kind of stepping up here and and putting things out there that uh, that I don't think any of us would have expected to come out of his mouth. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, first off, if Ken Rosenthal calls you, maybe you answer like the the bow tie <laughs> hour. The bow tie um, gets yeah, gets it done. Yeah, but but I don't know because the so the the alternative is we ask him to talk and he says no, and so we just have Nunnally, um, where his side of it's just not involved. And, and so I think from his explanation, it's not really the. I think I think you could like find yourself in a place where you think that's a plausible explanation. Where you're just like, no one needed to know. Mm-hmm. I just I felt felt like I needed to take my career into my hands, and this was a point where I needed to get some help. I needed to go to someone I, I like knew had helped me in the past. And so the way he yeah. the way he explained it was like, I'd worked with him in the past. He was in the organization. I didn't think it should be a problem. And I think that's a pretty actually reasonable way to do it. Now, doing it secretly might not be the way to do it. You, maybe you should talk to i don't know the coaching staff talk to the gm and say hey i i need to find my way out of this i think nuns would be my best path can i work with them and you think they could figure something out so uh this may just be a communication problem but clearly like that anecdote uh it was kind of old news to people but i think was a fuller telling of of what happened um yeah that uh to me raised some raised some questions because i i don't think it's something you can just sweep under the rug and be like that was a weird one-off event it's your best. It's yeah. like your best. It's your best player. It's your most important yeah, player. It's one of your most important players. And and the and the other interesting piece here is like he continued to work with them this off season, and the, he plans to continue to work with them going forward. Yeah, that's what Nunnally told. He says there's multiple players too, right? Is there multiple yeah, he's working with? Oh, I don't know if it's multiple Pirates players. Um, mm-hmm. so oh. th- th- again, that that part was Kenny as well, and he um he had confirmed that Nunnally had gotten an offer from the Nationals, and Nunnally turned that down. Um. And so uh, he's just going to work privately with guys. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what his, what his plans are. If the, I mean, you'd imagine the pirates wouldn't stand in the way of it. They have other guys work at drive. Henry Davis is at driveline this off season. Um, Palacios was over there too. Like this happens. Mitch Keller's at tread. And that's what I find interesting in this. It's because, just like, yeah, like, yeah, it's the it's internal. Aspect the of know. It. Like think about the pitchers, how many that are going to tread. I mean, we had last time I went, last time we had you on is about Mitch Keller. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we talk about their relationship with Tread and how all three parties work together. So, yeah, that's why, like, that's why I find this whole thing very, very interesting. Because, well, let me ask you this: kind of their mo. Yeah, as 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 Gary points out, do you guys think it could be that it has nothing to do with uh, with Kip Bryan? Like, could it just be that his double A hitters were not performing? I mean, he didn't have a lot to work with. But so we we did discuss that. I mean, it is kind of. Yeah. When you look at the performances, it's not like he was doing well for his guys in Double A. There was a lot of struggles there too. I don't know. I don't know. I think ultimately, my point of view, it just became a distraction. Like it got to here sure. because of the situation, and like this was the only thing they really could do. Because if you're Andy Haynes at this point, like it's got to be uncomfortable. Sure. Uh, like and like I said, like Gary kind of points out there. Sorry, Tyler. No, you're fine. Um, like people get outside hitting instruction all the time. This isn't anything new. It happens in every organization every year. And it's been happening for a very long time. 
I think where this one got weird, and yeah, could this have just been a pure perform- lack of performance issue? Absolutely. We've seen a lot of players take that jump from Greensboro to Altoona and just stop hitting. Now, is that because Greensboro is a very high-hitting environment and Altoona is not? Maybe, but it could have some sort of disconnect there in the development. That's definitely a plausible thing that, that happened here. Um, but I think you mentioned earlier, like once you have people basically saying Andy Haynes isn't the right guy, it should be Nunnally. Like at that point, if you're an organization, you got to pick your dude. Like I think you, I don't think true. you can. Yeah, I don't think you can just let that simmer and and the, and the yeah. organization pick Andy Haynes. It, it had also been coming not just from <clears throat> not just from uh, whoever said that close to Kibrian. Um, like players that we talked to, we didn't get too much into it because we didn't need to spend like graphs, graphs talking about how much players like Dunley, but the bottom line is they did. We had, we kept a quote or two in there, but there's another quote that like, when you're working with him, you feel like you're the best hitter in the world. He just knew how to build your confidence. Everyone was asking to get over into his cage to work with nuns. Um, I don't think that suggests that nobody likes to be in the cage of a guy who's great on analytics. Great. Um, I, I think, Talking to guys, they're just like, there are sometimes you just want to be built up and you go to a nun's cage, you're going to do that. And he also was better than anybody they, they knew at working through reading pitchers, getting tips, getting getting a read on, um, on not only pitches and pitch breaks, but also tells. Um, that's valuable stuff to have in an organization, right? And so, um, so they had been arguing over the years for him to get promoted as is, is part of this. Players had been arguing for that. They thought he should get more opportunities at higher levels. And that hadn't really happened. He sort of stayed there at double A. And so it may have just been a, 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 a culmination of this adding up and adding up and adding up. And then you get this anonymous quote that festers. And then you find out that he's sort of been working in secret. And that might be the last straw. Um, or maybe they just looked at the stats at double A and said, yeah, Jack Swinski did well and Keep Ryan did well, but you know, we're not seeing enough development. Who, who knows? I guess my thing here <clears throat> it seems like it's a complete organizational failure here where you aren't at a point where a guy can go to a guy at a lower lower level and be able to get whatever they need to get from them. If you're the GM, let's just let's just put Steven here on the the what what's the p word i'm thinking of we'll just put you up there right now and pedestal 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 thank you big word wow god (laughs) brain's not working p word but let's just say you're there and you want to get help from someone else that's basically like the athletic saying no you can't go get help from him this entire organization is essentially telling you you can't go lower than our major league staff to me, that's an organizational failure. Yeah. And whether or not that was accurate, whether actually they would have gotten mad at him, the bottom line is they treated it as if the player and the coach treated yes. it as if they needed to go that way. And that's an issue. Yeah. It, it's a yeah. very bad look at the very least. Yeah. Where yeah, a guy agree. at the major league level cannot go to a guy at a lower level anymore. Because there's a fear that they might get fired for it. Yeah. yeah, I think just the 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 fact that they didn't feel comfortable to be open about it, like that's that's a that's an organizational problem. Like in any, and that's just like across business, right? Like if you were in your place of work, 
And it's like, you know what? I'm going to go ask so-and-so for some help just because, you know, he seems to be really good at this one thing. It's not really something you kind of go around people's back on. It's like, hey, you know what? I could really use some help on here. Yeah. He's really good at it. I'm going to go talk to him. That's collaboration that's typically encouraged yeah, yeah, like the, in, in a workplace environment. The fact yeah. that Cabrian Hayes felt like he had to hide it is a problem in itself. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know exactly where they go from here. Um, they, they're set up in a position where they, they could have a fine season. And I think if they do, like we'll get dunked on. Um, it wasn't really like the intent of us to say like, they don't have a shot here. Um, I don't believe they don't have a shot. I think this division is eminently winnable. Uh, the Cubs could go like add a couple of these free agents and maybe make it a different conversation. But the Pirates are in a position where, yeah, like I can talk myself into some of these free agents working out pretty nicely. They have a pretty good bullpen. Um, mm-hmm. Now the rotation is a mess, but Marco Gonzalez has had some good years. Uh, what if you get 2022 Martin Perez, um, you know, the first half or whatever, like that's a guy. Um, so it's it's interesting because you know we mentioned all the drafting problems they've had, the development problems they've had. They're still in position to be all, all right. Um, it's just that I don't foresee a future where ownership says we're going to push the go button now in advance of when we think we're, think we're going to be good. Um, we saw we seen like the Tigers. Maybe they jumped a little too early, but the teams like that, they start spending <clears throat> a year or two. The Cubs started spending on Stroman and these other guys before they're going to win. And guess what that does? That speeds up a rebuild so that it's not five years. It's two years or like two and a half years. Or, I don't know. Something short. Yeah. Something short and, and does not make your fan base miserable. They'll still be pissed, but it's not something that puts your fan. It's, it's horrible with the Pirates to put the fan base through. You saw the excitement of 2013, 14, 15. You saw that you experienced it. You lived through it. You you like had a full ballpark every every homestand. I was there for that ninety eight wins, and then you 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 start dismantling that because you realize you've you've for whatever reason you've capped off on the payroll. So Neil needs to go. Neil Walker, and then Liriano needs to go, and then ooh, Kutch maybe maybe he needs to go. Oh, we'll hold on to him again. Pedro's gone though. You can't afford you know him at that production. And, and and then Garrett's got to go. I'm not thumbs-upping that on purpose. <clears throat> but Garrett's got to go be- two years before free agency, and we're going to sell low on him, and then, and then Kutch is gone. And um, so many decisions happening after that fact that, like, it cannot be overstated, man, that they went from $99 million in 2016, declined every single year down to $45 million in 2021. Every single year they declined. There was no second wave. There was no extension being handed out in that next core of players, right? Mm. Uh, Bell, Tyone, Frazier, uh, Williams, Cool, yeah, Musgrove. any of, yeah, yeah Musgrove, any of those guys that like were were theoretically options, they didn't happen. They were like headed in a different direction, and you have this massive gap now of disappointment leading to rebuild. And now, what, you, what have you done to fans? You haven't won anything since 2015, which makes it nine years or whatever, nine seasons. Um, that's brutal. That's brutal what you're doing in a fan base. I'm not a Pirates fan. I'm not emotional about this. I'm a Tigers fan at heart. They've done horrible things to me in my childhood. I wrote about that last year with uh, their 119 lost season. Um, but it's one thing to lose because your team is just horrible. It's another thing to be doing it in a way that your, your fan base is just pleading you to spend more money. And 
for the love of God, even if you're not going to spend as much as everybody else, don't make, don't give your, your front office less to pay players with because you need them to pay for two buildings. So I want to bring this up. And again, speaking of pirate fans probably know the answer to this, right? But something I kind of forgot about when you brought up the, like the Charrington quotes, when he came on Travis Williams quotes, you know, about like doing things differently that it kind of resonated went back in my memory bank here. And you know, like when when Neil Huntington was fired, right? It seemed like Bob Nutting was pretty pissed. It, it almost felt like this was a new Bob Nutting in a sense, right? And yeah. obviously, like we've been saying, and I think many people like, you know, show me it. Words don't mean anything. Show me it, right? But it almost felt like maybe something happened up here. And, you know, it's like, okay, I got I to gotta do better. And he talked about it. And like this new regime, he's talked about it. That, you know, when the time comes, we will spend. When the time comes, we'll do this. We're going to do things differently. You know, I'm sick of seeing players go. Like, I want them to stay here, that type of stuff. So, you know, in all of this, did you pick up on any of that? Like, has it felt like maybe with this new regime, things are a little bit different than before? Yeah, I think they're they're certainly trying different things. Um, if you accept that, that people are coming to this front office understanding what the what the what the job is, what the constraints are. Then you can look at what they're doing and look at what Huntington's regime did and say, yeah, they're they're trying to think differently. I mean, something as small as like the the culture things that you could read that as a, a good move, you could read that as a bad move, up to you. Um, but they are loosening some of these rules: hair, facial hair, jewelry, whatever. We had someone talk about uh walking out and seeing players do like a like a guns out BP. In, in the minors, whatever, like they're, they're just having some more fun. And then you can hear other people say uh, there were issues with uh, the team being upset that low A guys were not working out in the same uh, as rigorously as they wanted. And this person's perspective was, well, you stopped giving them an assigned schedule to follow. And you're expecting these children to uh, be rigorous in their workouts. If you just paid them a lot of money, they're not going to do it. And so <clears throat> One quote they're using there was was someone saying like uh, basically like it wasn't very enjoyable to go through the nutting regime, but it, like it made us pros. And there's an argument there. There's also an argument they went way overboard in like very publicized way and in ways and in ways that just kind of went under the rug. They it just didn't probably that stuff didn't ultimately impact whether you were a good major leaguer, but at least the Pirates are trying something different. The messaging one one player said was like the messaging we got when I when I would sort of push back and like. Is no facial hair in like two day scruff really gonna like make me a, a better baseball player? Was listen, we've tried a lot of things over the years as a Pirates organization. Uh, we need to do things differently, and this is what we're trying to do: is like be strict and like sort of I hate to use militaristic because of the Hoka Hay stuff, but like <laughs> sort of militaristic, right? Of like this is what we're gonna try. We're gonna have standards. This can be very clear what the expectations are, and they've changed that. And a lot of that is just personality, right? Shelton has a different personality at the major league level. Charrington, I think, has a different personality. It's it's more laid back. I don't personally think that's like a, a problem um it's is there a, is there an issue with um how that's being taught to players is there an issue with players holding each other accountable uh the bigger issue probably not having veterans in the clubhouse for a handful of years uh or maybe having the guy who you just signed for like you know two million dollars who you're hoping is going to lead your team like he just got here and you also gave him two million dollars for one year he's gone in a couple months if he plays well so i don't think you can count on that guy to to like lead your team like you didn't pay him enough to do that um so you should probably just like have more guys around um so 
so there's that the the actual ways they're going they're going through uh, the development process. They have much better tech today. We saw that almost immediately. I mean, really immediately. Yeah. Starting 2020, there was right. tech galore. There were people uh, very on a you know very. I'm thinking of uh, Aaron Razum, who who was like suddenly really really visible um, out there every day working with pitchers. I think that's all good stuff. Um, I I didn't have anybody who we talked to who thought that was bad to have uh, those people involved and that tech. All that's good stuff. Um, it felt like it's more, um, more, uh, the, the phrase that Charrington brought up a ton early on, you probably remember it is like, we're going to have a player centered culture. And I think they're making attempts to do that. And it, it's just a matter of like, is that going to work out? Um, is that going to work out? And then is it truly player centered to the point where you're telling a guy, just do what you do best, or are you just like tailoring things to make him the best possible player he can be are you letting him work out with the guys he needs to work out are you giving him all the support that he needs from a coaching and instruction basis all the tech he needs um so a lot of that we don't see a lot of that we don't know and so um if if you like look at our story i think you can assign blame however you want you know at front office and ownership whatever but i think the I may have written this to, to Jim today. We were talking that the ownership stuff is is really it's facts. Like I don't think anyone was just we didn't put people in there who's just taking pot shots at Bob, right? Um, it was pretty much facts. Like here's where they are in free agency. Here's where they are on on, on payroll. And here's an anecdote that has facts in it that Bob did not dispute about uh, about uh, the eight million dollars that went to buildings. And the part about player development is much more just perspectives we gathered and. I think a front office person with the Pirates today could absolutely read that, read that and be like, mm, disagree. We think we're doing great. And that's, you might be, we'll find out in four or five years and see if you guys are still around. You could be. That's the, that's like, you know, that's us looking for ways to, uh, to explain some of why the Pirates have not gotten to the promised land, uh, where like the Rays have and other teams have. Um, but uh, it could happen. It certainly could. It's just, that's, that's more the, perspectives of, of people who are, we think are smart and had a really good view of the organization. Just, just over your reporting here, what do you think the main difference is between the pirates and the Rays? Because I know everybody wants to be the Rays, and truthfully, I would probably like lose my mind if I was a Rays fan, because I don't like the way they wheel and deal everybody. But culturally there is a difference there and coaching wise, there's a difference development wise. There's a difference. They have yeah. an idea of what they're doing. There's a lot, man. Part of it is like you have the system built out so perfectly now that as long as you have smart people running it, like you can keep this perpetual motion going where the Pirates, I mean, when's the last time it felt like they were in that position, right? Maybe like the 2015-ish era, you, right, you, yeah, at, right. you, at least look, you at least looked at like double A and you're like, I mean, these guys all talk about it, right? Uh, I remember I've talked over the years to, the, the glass on Williams and cool and, and, and Tyone about like, they would sit at double A and be like, we're going to do it. We're going to be the next, the next core. We're all going to come up and win a world series together. Whatever. They all believe that. And they had a great core and they had a good farm system, all that good stuff. And then things fell apart in a very rapid manner. And, um, and so the race have built this extremely stable situation. They have cutting edge people throughout the organization um, as far as um, instructors and, um, front office executives but the other part of it is like guys will go to tampa like free agents will sign there because Robert stevenson just got an 11 million dollar a year deal 
and we trade it for nothing. Guys will go there because that's why Tam- the weather's nice. But you go there knowing the Rays will make you better. Um, mm-hmm. tra- so, so Travis Sutter just posted a, a, an excerpt from his book that was about Garrett Cole and how he went to Houston, had one conversation that like opened his mind, and he became Garrett Cole. And uh, people will say it's a sticky stuff, but um, but Garrett had, when they had that one conversation, that's what happens with the Rays. Tyler Glass now goes there and they have a conversation. They say, throw your best pitch right down the middle and we're going to make that work. And guess what? He turns into a pitcher. They flip for um, two really good players. That could be great for them for a long time. And so um, if you're the Pirates, you cannot afford to, to, to not do that. You need to be the place that that people come. You have a conversation with them about why we've sought you, why we wanted to get you for two years. You know, Chris Archer, we've they wanted him for a long time. Chris Archer, we wanted you for a long time. Come in here. Here's how we turn things around. They didn't turn anything around with Chris Archer. Everything just continued in the the trend that already was going. Um, And so that's the biggest difference I see, Tyler, is like people go to the Rays because they know they're about to get better. And the Pirates right now do not have that reputation among players or in the, the, you know, across the business. Even if people like Charrington, people like Huntington, people like Bob as a person. um, It's just not the reputation they have today where they had a reputation 10 years ago, right? They were the, the framing sinker. Uh, right. shifting shifting yeah. and um, right. and and the reclamation place right they had that reputation and then you you lose it over 10 years because you sort of whiffed on whatever the next trend was in baseball um and now you need to reclaim it somehow and i don't think today that they're at you know the forefront of whatever today's revolution I mean, is let's be honest like if neil huntington stuck around like the forefront was what neil huntington was doing 10 years ago right it's coming single <laughs> Right. I mean, I get ground balls and put the ball in play. While while you're thinking of like where to assign blame like that, that regime is absolutely uh, not blameless. Right. I wrote about this a lot. I went back and reread everything I wrote back then. I was writing three weeks before he got fired, uh, was writing about just the embarrassment of the Garrett Cole versus Tyler Glass now game five of the the, the DS. Um, Complete embarrassment. They had they had so many guys in that playoffs that they had just not unlocked anything with these guys. And uh, that regime was to blame and then you're to blame for the actual product or the actual value got in return. Um, and so, so that like, you can't have this conversation and not, and, and just blame uh, Charrington. Now you can say that Charrington has failed to crack the code so far. I think that's to me, that's fair. We'll see if that works in the next couple of years, but that, that whatever switches they needed to make to be at the forefront by the end of Huntington's time, they were not at the forefront, not close. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Yeah. Well, before we uh, before we kind of wrap this up, do we want to do our announcement while we have uh, while we, we have everybody here, Donardo? Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead and do your do the announcement. All right. So we've been kind of hyping this up a little bit, saying we have an announcement, but like nothing, nothing is like all the details weren't confirmed and official yet. So it is official. We'll play the video to uh to make it. So here you go, guys. <laughs> So there it is. So as you know, it's next week we'll be in Bradenton, right? Um, we will have official pregame shows inside Lecom Park. Uh, that's Sunday and 28th is Wednesday, right? Yeah, Wednesday. We'll be doing uh, pregame shows in there. So if you're at the games, come uh, come see us. 
Where we'll be at exactly, I'm not sure. We'll have a table. You'll you'll see us though. Just just look for the dummies with a microphone. Or the dummy with a beer. I can't wait to see this eight million dollar batting cage <laughs> at Pirate City. Yeah. So there's that. So yeah, cool stuff. I'm excited about it. That should be fun. Yeah, very excited. I'm trying to keep up with the comments over here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh Buck and Mike's posting in here. That's the one you need to pay attention to. <laughs> yeah, or not. <laughs> Deductions, Bucko Mike. No, Bucko Mike's but, my guy. Yeah, anyway, great article. No, I, mean, I, I love the article. And I think actually, uh, Stephen, I woke up this morning to a group text from my family, just screenshot after screenshot of that article trashing the pirates. <laughs> so yeah, great I, wake up to me. I'm sorry to have done I, that to all of you. I woke up to it. Um, I had a couple group chats too, and they were like, they screenshotted and they were like, Jim, you made an athletic article. And I was like, Yeah, you did it. Yeah. And again, <laughs> you've been I made it. I made it. <laughs> That's what I've mentioned to you before. Um, Neil Lucas yeah. was asking about asked about top five spending and development. Um, so that's something we asked about. Um, so I asked Nutting about, and he said that they are still like among the top spenders. Uh, something he's claimed. Um, I mean, back in 2019, he was claiming it. There's no way to like prove that um, teams don't publish like what they're spending in development. Um, people who said like we talked to said that's plausible. Um, like they, that's where the focus is. Like that's where <clears throat> talking about like return for dollar, like that's where you get it. It's in extensions and it's in, uh, acquisition at the amateur level. So, um, that's good. You just need to like turn that into uh, like, it's extremely cheap to just say like, we spend a ton in that area. It's like, well, then you need to do something with it. You need to show results. You can't just be like, we spend a ton internationally and then not have anybody since Marte. Right. Like that's right, your fault right. too. That's also your fault. And so, if it's ownership just being like, um, you know, ownership just being like, look, we're trying. That's like, well, then you have the wrong people in place. If that's if that's truly like all the, the conversation takes that you're doing everything you have to do, then then you have you need to fix your process. Um, and but my 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 offer would be do a little bit of both. Um, your conversation on, on Twitter today is like you could prove the athletic wrong today by going to sign Blake Snell or somebody else. Um uh, I can, said that, yeah. Yeah, you can do all sorts of things to prove the athletic wrong that you have not done a multi-year deal, deal since Hashtag Daniel Hudson and Sean Jaso. You can prove the athletic wrong by giving out a a guarantee larger than seventeen million. You can uh, you can when I ask you uh, if you would authorize Bob Nutting a free agent deal in the range of fifteen to twenty million. You could instead of responding that the key Brian Hayes and, and Brian Reynolds extensions, which were not in that range, neither of them, um, they are, they are examples of, yeah, you're committed. You're, you're like, you will welcome long-term commitments. Uh, that is, that is not, I think the right answer. The right answer would be if the right deal comes along, we will sign it. Um, th- there are, there are ways I think to turn this around and say, we can spend in development. We can be among the top five or whatever. And we can also have a, 25th 23rd ranked payroll because we can do a little bit of both and not everybody's going to be signed like a third of this roster is one year deals right now um that might get him across the line who knows this year but what's going to happen for next year like are you you're gearing up to give somebody 30 million no 
Um, but that's not even what people are asking. It's like, will you give someone 30 million total, you know, it's not open right. one year. It's just like, can we just get that one year, $15 million? Like if I were to give you a list on right. I made this, I'm just going to make you guys run long here. So I made a list yesterday of like all every team's record, um, uh, everything's record high free agent deal. And the pirates of course were, uh, were the top pirates start at the bottom with the Russell Martin. Um, but a lot of these you'd look at and you'd be like, that's, yeah, that's a terrible deal. Uh, you know, Prince Fielder, Jason Hayward, Johnny Cueto with the Giants, George Springer, like all these, a lot of them don't work out. But it's like, those are all 100 plus. We're not asking the Pirates to do like 100 plus million guarantees. Um, uh, it's like the Nick Castellanos four for 64. Uh, Edwin Canarciel and three for 60. That's a record for the Guardians. That's not a lot of money. Um, Zach Eflin, three for 40. Guess who look good in, in, in a Bucko uniform right now? Zach Eflin pitching next to Mitch Keller and Edward Cabrera. Um, another what, guy that raised just uh taught how to be awesome too, though. Yeah, yeah. true. Um, but the, the, the Rays, I don't know what their previous record signing was, but like they had the cojones to say this guy was like pretty good, but like sixth starter in Philly, and we can figure it out to where he's going to be worth. Uh, a 13.3 AAV to us, which is like the Pirates record, I think. Um, I think that's pretty much Didn't what... did they sign Charlie Morris like a two-year $40 million deal? Uh, may have been. Also may have been a... Uh, may have been a re-signing. I, guys, according to Stevens reporting today, this team waited a day or so to trade someone to save $30,000. <laughs> Not a good oh, luck. Yeah. Yeah, that we, one like, we just glossed over that whole part, which should have been just the entire premise of this show. They waited to trade someone to save $30,000, which I completely believe because we've seen them wait and wait and wait and wait to do anything. And it always seemed like it was to save a buck. I There's a completely unconfirmed, so I'm going to leave out the, 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 the specifics. But I heard a handful of years ago that there was like major – Bluey, as we say in French, a lot of noise in the front office one day and like the business side because um, they had failed to put someone, I think, on the, the injured list. I think it may have been disabled list at that point in time uh, on like one day earlier. And they lost a bunch of bunch of money because of uh, because of like uh, insurance, or... like an insurance thing. Um, and the thing is, like, I I completely and it really mattered. That. I really yeah. do believe that part of the article because we've. There have been way too many times over the years that we've done the show where we will talk about why is this guy not on the IL? Why is this guy not DFA'd yet? Why did we not do this, 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 this? It yeah. all adds up. And you're not talking about like staying under the luxury tax. <laughs> it's no. like, no, no we're talking about making it's a like minimum this, wage salary. Save a little bit of coin. So anyway, my, my I mean, point was like, if you look yeah. at this list I have here, of like you look at all the, like the top signings, like, there are so many bad ones. Like there, you're you can easily look at that and be like, "Wow, free agent is like not a good way to spend your money." But you're not asking for that. It's like there are a lot of good signings in like the fifty million and under range um, that it would still be record for the Pirates. Go ahead. I don't know what I was talking about now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no one hey, before we get, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep hitting this. Yeah, uh, no one. Uh, no one, no one yeah. wants to when he wants something. Give us an optimistic end to the Pirates. I need to end my day with a positive note. Um, Cuban buys them. I mean, there's like there's still plenty to be optimistic about. Like there, are all these pitchers, some of them got to work out, right? I mean, no, some of them will be, maybe. some of them will be like Nick Kingham, who we all thought of as like a really you know 
good pitcher who had a chance to be in the majors and then they get there and they just don't have major league stuff. Um, so that might happen to some of them, but I mean, they have, um, I mean, the upside on skeins is so high that you could be they like, will ruin. you could have you having a blast watching that guy every fifth day. That's awesome. Now they need to fill up the lineup and maybe you go find a couple of, a couple of bats in free agency next year or something. It's like a lot of it's a lot of the question. A lot of the question is like, when do you actually plan to start winning? Cause I don't think these, these signings they made this off season say they're do, like, something has changed this off season, right? Something has changed where they're like going to get seven guys instead of going to get two guys who they want to flip. Um, and, and maybe that honestly, maybe it's like, cause they, they just need to flip. Uh, they need to fill out the rotation. Like that could be as simple as that. Yeah. Um, and they've, they haven't had a first baseman in the past decade, except Josh Bell. Um, but, uh, but it seems like something is changing. Like it feels like there's pressure mounting. There's some level of urgency happening because if, if Charrington doesn't show a step forward, like that happened, we put in the story, like Huntington almost got fired after, after collapsing in year five, like Bob's not going to have unlimited patience. Uh, even if he like authorized this rebuild teardown. So you, you think, sorry, this is supposed to be positive. Um, <laughs> they, I think they're incentivized. No, uh, no, I think it was. Um, no, yeah. I think they're incentivized to start winning soon. I don't know what that's going to look like, but they have minor leaguers in place who I think um, if they transition to the majors better than Pirates historically have transitioned guys to the majors in the recent years, um, could be exciting. Paul Skeens is awesome. Um, should be fun. Now, you could Steven, argue you they wrote did. about how many guys lost velocity through this organization. And we're talking about the one guy that maybe had like eight innings last year. And we're just praying he doesn't stay in that mind. For what it's worth, he threw today and he was at like 100, 101 all day. Well, then get him the hell out of there. <laughs> no, no I, I'm so sorry. I, I tried, Noah, and that's just the, the, the vibes no. are not. I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll agree with <laughs> Bad you. Bad vibes, there, Tyler. There are there are exciting yeah. pitchers in this system between Paul Skeens, Bubba Chandler. I'm thirty like, damn years old, and I've seen four winning seasons. I'm allowed to have bad vibes about this team. Oh, absolutely, it's fully warranted. I'm excited. I'm, I'm legit excited to see Henry Davis every day this year. I think we're we're gonna go. It's like a, a big a big step toward figuring out what what he is. Um, yeah. I think he's like the main storyline for this team this year. Like, if he's good, yeah, then I think the team has a potential to be good. And then also, like, is O'Neill Cruz the guy that we they think he is, or or is he right. a guy who's going to have a thirty percent strikeout rate? Like, him, he and Swinsky are Swinsky, who's going to have like a four war season. Was that four war? Um, was uh, was to good. Jim's credit, he only said three, three. Okay. Um, no, I mean these guys both could hit thirty plus homers, and and it's just a question of like how much on base will they get. So if you look at this roster, I'm at roster research right now. It's like the next good Pirates team. Like I could see Cruz, Reynolds, Hayes, um, Sawinski being part of it. Everyone else kind of like one year dealy kind of. Paguero, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to get from him, but there are some pieces. I don't know. I made this comment earlier on on a different show. I'm sorry, guys. I went on a different show. Um, was that like if you want to draw Whatever. the par- if you want to draw like the inviting parallel between Cole and Skeens when they were coming up like Cole was coming up to a team that had I think a much more established core where you had Kutch, Marte, uh, Walker, Alvarez, um, uh, and you even had like some. Martin on that team, and then you had free agents. You actually, yeah, free agents you brought in but already like kind of turned around. Liriano, Burnett, um, Martin, and then you know the bullpen, Grilly, Watson, whatever. Um, Jones. Yeah, 
so that was, I feel like, a much more established team ready to win. Whereas the team you come up with now, I'm naming two regulars I feel good about, Hayes and Reynolds. Cruz is like a total wild card. Sawinski is like a guy I think really could have a significant amount of upside. Um, and then, like, you have to really squint at that rotation to feel good at, about any of it, right? But present Gonzalez, like Mitch needs to be who he became in the last year and a half. And Perez and Gonzalez need to be like valuable pitchers. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't think, like, I can't look at that team and be like, oh yeah, I could see them. I just can't see this team winning a division, which is what they say they plan to do this year. Um, or they contend for the division. So um, it's tough. It's tough because they just need so much more depth. They need to like I, fill up the roster with guys better than, you know, who's at the back end of that roster. I just can't look at that rotation and think this team's going to make a playoff run. I can't. They have one starting pitcher <clears throat> and a bunch of question marks. And I, I know we talked about 2013 and like there were question marks. <laughs> if you go back and look in the like 2012 to 2013, there yeah. were definitely question marks, but you had AJ. Liriano definitely a question mark. Locke, definitely a question mark. Morton, a question mark. Can't remember who the other guy was. But they all worked out. That doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like who the who's who's the AJ Burnett out there today. Like maybe it's like Michael Waka. And maybe those guys just get paid too much for the Pirates to, to bring them in. Um mm-hmm. to turn around. I mean he's he's been he's not been bad. Um but like those reclamation projects don't really happen in the same way anymore. So I don't know. Gonzalez could be, I, I feel better about Gonzalez than I actually do about Perez, but it's more of an innings question with him because of the injury. Um, yeah. But I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll see. Can I, let me, I'm just going to keep this rolling. Um, Chapman. Why, why go get Chapman? Um, because Great if point. this is, if this is a flip him move, I mean, beyond the questions about off field stuff and McCutcheon head hunting stuff. If this is a flip him move, that's way too much money to pay him. Um, the Royals just did that at three million last year and succeeded and got a really good young pitcher. But I don't think you, I don't think you pay him ten and a half million, thinking that you're going to pay seven of that and then get a decent prospect. That's a lot for the Pirates. Like to me, that signing said like the Pirates think they're going to start winning. Did you agree, I, or do you think this? I is think a, the Pirates yeah. have the full. I think it is their full intention to win this year. I think a lot of things have to go right for it to happen. And and I really, I kind of believe Sherrington, his quote on it last week was, you know, they, they, they made a play for some <clears throat> starting pitchers. They just didn't land any of them. Um, they, they decided to go elsewhere. Um, and it wasn't necessarily that the pirates couldn't offer what the other teams were offering. It's just, they decided to go elsewhere. Um, and, and I think it just had to do with, they didn't land any of those starting pitchers that they wanted. And so they were like, okay, let's pivot and let's get, Let's get like a lockdown bullpen arm to just shorten that game because the the rotation's now going to be an obvious weakness, and I think their plan really is just like let's get to the sixth because yeah. if they can get to the sixth, then you're talking about Holderman, Chapman, Bednar, seven, eight, nine, and you've got a pretty good middle relief core too with like Moretta and Barucki. So I think if this team can the get through game. five, like I think if they can get through Barucki. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah, I did. Josh. Say Majinski. Majinski, Moretta, Barucky, whatever you want to say. No, they no, all have, leave they, I think they're out all pretty good. No, I'm leaving Brucky in. The dude's the dude's awesome. <laughs> um nope. but I think if they can Those get his five. Cat. Yeah, Dobby. 
Yeah, that was that was yeah. a nice little story today. We need a little pick me up on Pirates Twitter. That was a good one. Um, <laughs> but Steven, but if the Pirates can get through five innings, they'll have a, at least a chance to win some games. And I think that's kind of where they pivoted. Yeah, they're coming over here. Uh, Charon signed Chapman because sorry, it's on the wrong screen. Um, because Bob Nutting had told Jason Mackey that he wants the front office to spend money, basically put his GM on the spot and responded. All that's interesting because like we don't have a lot about the sort of interplay between Nutting and Charrington. Um, I don't get the sense that Charrington feels very like um like there's a sense of urgency, like that he has one year to win. Um, but just common sense would tell you that, like, I mean, track record A with Huntington in the fifth year kind of almost getting fired. Um tells you that like at some point you need to show w's and so regardless of like how much money you're being given it's like at some point you need to you need to win and to me like these signings do smack of like a guy who knows he needs to start winning whether or not these are the guys he'd like to sign i think there's a reason he's not signing him long term is well beyond they haven't signed anybody long term um these are guys who might be able to help you this year and well at least bring up the replacement value of the roster so they're right. stronger than they're stronger than they were, but still, I think a ton needs to go right um, for them to be, you know, in the conversation in this division. Because listen, no one's no one's like falling back. Even the Brewers, who have a great farm system, uh, I think they're number two. Am I, am I wrong there? Um, Keith Law's uh, rankings, and even they like they're they're they they sold they traded off their best player, and they still I think are going to be okay. Um, <clears throat> so. I don't know. It'd be easier to look at the Pirates and and feel a lot better about them if the division were in a place where the Reds still stunk, where the Cubs were falling back, where the Cardinals were like they were last year. Um, but everybody else trying is trying, and so you need to like really do something. And that do something for the Pirates does not mean spend money in like a comparative way. Steve, right. you just want to be a co-host on us on this show, like. <laughs> No, it's after my bedtime. You guys do too late. I feel like you're just saying everything. We, we have a Starbucks. <clears throat> do that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morning. There show. we go. I don't know. A lot of this, I don't know how much the fan base actually agrees. Um, what? Like I'm watching from afar now. Like I don't know. <clears throat> I can tell you how good Leo Piguero is. It, it, it's what funny. It's goes, it's not been that long since he's been there. I mean, it's it's still a civil war. Yeah, <laughs> you have a lot of the fan base that like. You should be the most optimistic about this team. They shouldn't make signings because you have all these pitchers in the system. And then you have others that just think, you know, like they should do more. Like then that's where we're at. Like, like everything you talk about with this team, I think is fair. You know, we've said this too. Like there's, there's reason to be excited about individuals. Like I want to see Henry Davis. I think he'll be fine. Right. But there's just a lot of what ifs. There's just too many what ifs going into a season that you should be competing. So yeah. if you have a lot of what ifs, it sounds like you should probably surround yourself with some talent to you know bump up that that floor and it's like what they did is they added a bunch more of what ifs so it's just a whole team of who knows what the hell is going to happen let's just find out <laughs> yeah but man you just want to get to a point where you see butts and seats again like yeah. pansy park which winning will do right pansy park is awesome but pansy park like mostly empty sucks like any ballpark does um also go and have a great time um and take the kids and whatever but um like you, you just you just like you want to look at ownership and be like, why can't like how can you be doing anything except trying as hard as you can to make that happen again? And 
I'm not sure what the path forward is because if everything goes right, yes, you can see this team doing what it did last year, which is like, okay, midsummer, you're like, wait, could they, might they? But the whole time, I mean, we all knew that was like fool's gold, right? Like they, they went 28, 20 and eight in April. Um, Even that, Ben Sherrington, when they asked him, he was like, well, yeah, yeah that doesn't just happen. And, and so you'd be happy, but like, what if this team falls back and like basically plays like the team this year that it was from May 1st on you like, <laughs> sorry, Ryan, um, <laughs> you know, and you fall back and you're more of a 70 win team. Does, does that get Charrington in trouble? Uh, like how much, how much improvement is Bob expecting? Cause he said to uh, Mackie and to us, like, I expect another step forward. And what he said, you know, we believe he's to, for to Mackie. He said, we expect to be uh the minimum, minimum expectation is to be, um, to be in contention throughout the season. And uh, he said to us slightly different, um, but like we all believe collectively believe we can be in contention throughout the season, but like, listen, what if they aren't, what if this actually goes as it looks like it's going to go and an injury happens or Kutch isn't that great. Jack and, and O'Neill strike out 33% of the time. Rowdy Telez is just fine because Monty Grandal is bad, bad. And, uh, and the, and the Mitch is the only decent pitcher. Like if that happens, then like, what are you actually going to hold Charrington and his his team to that expectation or, or not? We'll see. Right. Yes. And then everyone can dunk on the athletic when the team wins ninety games and are playing the playoffs, and Mitch is starting game one of the wild card. So, just remove my tweet from your article if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> just sending a, a cease and desist. <laughs> I'll just delete the tweet. It'll just be a, it'll just be an embedded deleted tweet. <laughs> oh, thank God that edit button's only good for sixty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no. Um, I mean, ha- floor is yours still. You, anything else you want to add? No, I like it. That Frank says everyone else is trying could have been the alternate title of your piece. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's like the broader context that people need to. Think, consider when you're looking at this is you need the division. You need to be better than the rest of your division. And the Reds are extremely exciting. And they're not quite at like as high as they're going to get, but they're really exciting. They're full of young talent and the position player mm-hmm. talent. Um, and they play in a ballpark where like guys will hit rockets everywhere. Um, and so it's, it's a matter of putting a rotation together. The Cardinals, I just don't believe in them ever, ever being like rebuild terrible. I think they're going to do enough to stay away from that. The Cubs do. They're about to spend a bunch of money. I think, um, uh, whether that's Bellinger, whether that's two of these guys, um, the Cubs are, they didn't just pay their managers $10 million to like take the, the middle road. And the Brewers, I think are just, they're smart. They're effective. They're ahead of the curve on a lot of things. And, um, and they're spending a little bit of money, whether or not you like think Reese Hoskins should get $30 million uh, over a couple years, they're doing it. So they have a, you know, an upgrade at first base. So um, that's a team that's at least shown that's willing to go out and help, here and there, uh, even if, you know, for years we've said like brewers go like get a bat. Um, I guess they're trying to do that a little bit. So if you look at that around the division, it, it that I think should make you maybe even more concerned than like the current state of the Pirates roster is everyone's trying and I don't see the reinforcements coming across the board for the Pirates. They might come in the pitching realm and that can help so much because that's been their problem for a long time. But like, do they really actually have that next, you know, I mean, can, if O'Neill sticks at short, that's great. But like that next third baseman, first baseman, center fielder, whatever. Yeah. 
Brad asks if we were uh, the Padres and still weren't winning, would we be happy? No, I think no, I'd be. Nobody's I think, happy. <laughs> I think I'd be happier about like the off season, right? Like it would be at least like you know what we, we're doing everything at least from a front office standpoint to win. Now the games would be frustrating as hell. <laughs> like when the Padres had what like a hundred plus one hundred run differential run differential last year, and we're below 500. Like it was something stupid. Like, every single one like, run game. <laughs> yeah. It was almost like the, the weirdest team ever assembled. So yeah, I would, that would be frustrating as hell, but I, yeah. at least at this point of the year, I'd be like, you know what? We're trying, like we're trying to be good. That's all I can ask. Yeah. So I, it'd be a different kind of frustration with the Padres. Yeah. Nope. Like I want to answer that too. Nope. Like you're, you're only happy when you win. Right. Right. So like, I'm not going to be happy, but there's a difference of trying to win and like not trying to win. Tyler, I'm only happy when I'm unhappy. <laughs> True. So you this is like, the happiest are, I've seen Tyler. So no, I I, I live thrive on loving his life right now. No, I thrive on being unhappy. So I'd probably be in a great place as a Padres fan. Because <laughs> like you're trying, but it's just it's not there yet. In this perspective, I hate it. I hate it all. But I'd be really happy as a Padres fan because I'd be super unhappy. You on like our post game shows, if we were Padres fans, you would be you would be in your element. Oh, I'd I'd be yeah. living the dream. Yeah. No, nobody's happy is the bottom line. We um that's the goal. I do every spring. I do a hopo meter where I just say like, "Are you optimistic? Are you not about your team?" And like the Yankees are consistently in like the forty percent optimistic, just because like, yes, they're usually picked to win their division, and yet nobody's happy because they're not spending enough money compared to what their mm-hmm. expectations are. So like, no, no one, no one is actually happy. The the team that just won the World Series, they're happy. The the Braves fans are happy. The Astros fans are happy. Um, Dodgers fans are probably pretty happy. Dodgers fans feeling right good now. right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but but like, no, I yeah. I need them to be unhappy as well because that makes me happy too. Listen, they'll be unhappy when they don't win a World Series, right? Anytime good, they don't good, now, good. it's just going to be like that's what I need. Yeah. What I need everyone now? unhappy. So, yeah, it's 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 tough. I mean, again, I lived through a lot of years of Tigers fandom where um, some ridiculous names were populating that roster, um, but I loved them anyway, and um, and. You're so unhappy until you get to a point that's just like the most magical moment of your life where the team, you know, Megler or Donia's homers or uh, they make the World Series or the Pirates have a wild card game. That's one of like the coolest moments you're ever going to see. And then you're happy and you can live off that for a little while. And then you build a building that costs you $8 million and then you're still happy. And then you realize a decade later what it took to, to pay for that building. And, um, and you're extremely upset for a lot of reasons, and, and Nesbitt and Rosenthal make you mad for a day. So and, it's and just then like you jump on a podcast with a bunch of unhappy people. That's right. <laughs> so like you're happy in the great moments, and when it's not like you're just looking for someone to blame, and you're looking for easy answers. And um, the Pirates, I think Pirates fans, rightly, there's a lot to complain about because it's been a long time, a long time since you had those magical moments. And you can look back along the way and be like, did it really have to all go wrong? Did it really have to? Was it inevitable? Guys just didn't play well enough? Or could there have been some decisions that kept the kept the train on the tracks? Well, here's to a very optimistic, positive, and fruitful 2024 season for the Pirates. That's right, guys.
Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> well, awesome stuff. Honestly, I, I really appreciate you hopping on here, talking this through with us about that article. Um, and obviously, as you saw, like, yeah, it was, the, it was the talk of the day. You were that person today. So we thank you for that. I was that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'll, I'll, I'll take a, I'm going to go back to uniform stuff. So you won't see me for a little while. We'll see how upset people, the pirates get, but so far, all I, you know what? All I need is next time he writes about pirates, Twitter to maybe not include Donardo and Jim and maybe include Tyler. That'd be great. I can, I can give him my word that I won't include Jim. Wow. Oh, just bailed fair on enough. Wait, Jim just left. <laughs> And it's not Barrett, as if like you really needed. That, that was gone, perfect gone. timing, but <laughs> um, that was the yeah. greatest timing as we could get. Apparently, Jim wants to go to bed too. <laughs> He's old. Yeah. Well, for real, honestly, again, thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll have thanks, you back yeah. on again, hopefully for better reasons. That's right. That's right, guys. We'll do oh, it for sure. All right, Everyone guys. Else thanks for yeah, thanks for joining. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Peace out, Scouts. Hey, you all. Thank you for watching. I know we try to provide the most entertaining content that we can, uh, and we'd love to spread it to as many people as possible. So uh, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but if you could take the five seconds to like this video and subscribe to the page, it helps out so much more than you know. Thank you, and let's go Bucks.